0: Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at SBMD.org. Hi everyone. Welcome to Looped In, the Houston Chronicle podcast, all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And today on the show, I am back with my colleague and fellow real estate reporter, Rebecca Schutz. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Nice to Good. you. <laughs> Good. Likewise. So, Rebecca, you recently got back from a real estate conference in Las Vegas called Inman Connect, now, Inman is a news and information site that focuses on the residential real estate industry. It is wildly popular throughout the industry. And every year there's this huge conference called Inman Connect, where thousands of real estate agents and other people from the industry converge to hear speakers and panels and network with other folks. And this year it was in Las Vegas, it just happened in. July. And Rebecca, you spoke on a panel there about a topic that we have covered on this podcast before. And that topic is the highly controversial lawsuit filed by a homeowner in Illinois earlier this year who is suing the National Association of Realtors and a group of residential real estate firms that challenges realtor fees, that challenges the commissions that go along with buying and selling a house. Rebecca, could you just bring listeners up to speed on this case? And I I think it may be more than one case, but I think there are a couple of cases floating around and they all kind of deal with the same thing.
1: Yes. So we spoke about this before. Mm -hmm. And since then, a few things have happened. When we first spoke about this, a man named Christopher Murrell had filed a suit, a class action lawsuit, represented by several large firms, sort of alleging that the way commissions are set up prevents a lot of variation in how much a buyer's agent is paid. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because when a home seller decides, oh, I'm going to list my house, they get an agent, a listing agent, and for the listing agent to put the listing on the multiple listing service, which you may be familiar with, um, HAR's website, mm-hmm. in order for it to be on that website, the listing agent has to say how much they will pay the buyer's agent. So since they have to say that up front and they don't want to offer less than everyone else is offering for fear of their listing being discriminated against, the argument goes, that's why… Buyer's agents are almost always paid the same amount, even if it's the first home that buyer's agent has ever guided someone through the process of listing. Or if that buyer's agent has been doing it their entire lives, they go above and beyond. They can find you homes you would have never even realized meet all your needs. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's a wide variety of – Skill levels, mm-hmm. but everyone's paid pretty much the same.
0: Okay, and that is three percent of mm-hmm. the Usually purchase 2. price. Two point five
1: to three percent of the purchase price. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: and then the listing agent also gets around that much.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's a little bit more variation in how much the listing agent gets paid because the home seller negotiates with them directly. And um, if I'm selling my house and I know I'm going to be paying the listing agent, I might be looking for a discount brokerage, or I might be like, "Oh, I know this brokerage is super great. I'm willing to pay the full three percent." You right. know, there's a little bit more variation on that side. Right. Um, so the reason this is drawing a lot of attention is any change could impact everyone <laughs> that yeah. uh, takes part in that home selling transaction. Mm-hmm. So it has. the possibility to really impact the home seller, like how much money they make when they sell their home because they might be paying less in commission. It would impact the buyer's agent because it could impact how much they're being paid. It could impact the home buyer because they might have to pay this fee directly. So it can just impact so many people in America that it's drawing some attention. When we last spoke about it, basically the lawsuit had just been filed. Since then, there was a similar lawsuit that was filed that has just combined with this lawsuit. So they just wrote a new complaint, which is sort of like the list of why they think they have a case. Mm-hmm. Um, this new complaint is very long. It's over <laughs> 70 pages long.
0: Ooh.
1: Right now, NAR is preparing to make a motion to dismiss in August. So that's where things stand right now. They okay. want to say They want to ask the judge to throw it out.
0: Okay. And so the lawyer who is asking the judge to throw it out mm-hmm. sat next to you on this panel.
1: Yes, he was on the panel. Yeah.
0: So, okay, real quick, I told you this earlier, but I so I watched the pan I watched your panel through a, a live stream that Inman had. Mm-hmm. And I I told you earlier, I was just kind of blown away by the the scale of the thing and the technology that they had um and it just looked so sophisticated and it kind of looked like you were on Oprah
1: yeah they had a yellow couch, which we were all sitting on, <laughs> yeah. like all the panelists, so me and um the council for n a r well, it was it was like
0: a very much a living room setup. yeah, it was the two of you on the couch. Uh-huh. on one side was the moderator mm-hmm. who was very good and very polished. And then on the other side, on the other chair was the, the third panelist, panelist. Mm-hmm. so. Let's talk about this panel. Um, what was the intent of it, really, just to provide an update on this case? Do you think it was to show different
1: sides of it? What What was your take? So this event was for the real estate industry. So there are a lot of real estate agents there, a mm-hmm. lot of startups, brokerages, you know, various people mm-hmm. offering various products for the real estate industry. And a lot of the real estate agents I spoke with sort of said two things. One was that they were feeling a little bit in the dark about what the NAR was doing with this lawsuit. They were saying they hadn't really been communicated with. Was it something that was going to be taken care of? Was it something they should fear? I know Inman reached out to both the counsel for the defendant, which is NAR and a number of brokerages, Mm -hmm. and um, the plaintiff, which would be um, all the lawyers representing this class action suit. And NAR um, said they, they were happy to provide their counsel, Jack Bierig. I think, you know, a lot of people came to it being like, what's going on? What are we doing to address this? Yeah, I was hearing a lot of anxiety from the tenants about this lawsuit because one brought up this point. I just thought it was super relevant. She said, I'm 52, and that's the median age of a realtor. Right now I'm thinking about my retirement. You know, she was like, if something changes – what she predicted was that, um, for example, if buyers had to pay their commissions themselves, a lot of them might opt not to do it. Mm-hmm. The amount of money that buyers' agents are making might basically fall to the ground before some people start realizing, "Oh, actually, there are problems when you have no representation." You know, right. um, I think a few industries—I mean, the news industry has gone through this, right? Like where um, people are like, "Well, I want free," and then they say, "Oh, well." you know free wasn't that great for me maybe i should pay and she was just like my career isn't long enough to go through a correction right it was where her anxiety was coming from and i was like wow that's um very well put because you know a lot of people in the real estate in- industry are around 52 years old so that
0: it yeah that is really interesting it's it does i mean if you were an agent of that age um you think you you must be pretty potentially pretty scared about the future and thinking, do I start a new career? Which is never easy to do. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not easy to do in your 50s. Mm-hmm. So that's, hmm. yeah, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And we should say NAR, National Association of Realtors, what do they do exactly? Who, who are they?
1: So they are an organization that sort of provides resources to and protects the real estate industry, right? and they also share information that not a lot of other people have. A lot of um, people, myself included, like a few years ago, <laughs> uh, don't know the difference between a realtor and a real estate agent. Mm. And that's because almost all real estate agents are realtors. right? So th- the National Association of Realtors, if you are a realtor, you belong to this association. Mm-hmm. So it's a I forget the difference between a copyright and a trademark, but it's one of those. (laughs) Um, You can only call yourself a realtor if you're part of this association. If you're buying a house, you need to know who's selling a house. Mm -hmm. If you're selling a house, you need to find buyers. And so these agents can get together and they can share their listings. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's inclusive. They have the majority of listings. And they're especially important in Texas because in Texas, you don't know how much homes are actually selling for. Texas does not have laws requiring people to disclose how much their home sell for. So if you want to list your home and you want to know, um, well, how much should I list it for? All of these realtors have shared their sales prices with each other. So they know how much things are selling for in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that's information that only they have.
0: Yeah. And the Houston Association of Realtors is sort of an offshoot of the national
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of local groups that all follow the rules of the national group. Uh So that's why um, the national group is being sued is because they're they're the ones that have set up how commissions are throughout the country. Okay. Namely the fact that the listing broker will say how much they will pay the buyer's broker. Um, Right. And so
0: I want to ask about the third person on the panel. Mm -hmm. But I assume the lawyers for the plaintiff declined to come to the event.
1: That was my understanding. I okay. did not talk to them directly. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I heard from one of the organizers that they really wanted them there too. And so who was the third panelist? The third panelist was, was Russ Cafano. He is a lawyer, but he also runs his own brokerage out of Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was interesting because he basically thinks that there are things that the real estate industry can do themselves. And it's also interesting because he's from Washington State. Seattle just happens to be a place that has already changed its policies since this lawsuit came. So um, in the Northwest MLS, which Mm -hmm. covers the Seattle area, um, their MLS has started um, giving real estate agents the option to publicly display how much they are paying the buyer's agent. I guess one of the things going on right now is – this is sort of insider baseball to a lot of people. A lot Mm -hmm. of buyers – don't understand how their buyer's agent is being sold. Um, In part, that's because NAR rules, rule of ethics, um, say that buyer's agents can advertise their services as free to the buyer as long as they say how they're getting paid. So um, they can say, well, I'm going to represent you. It's free to you because the listing agent is paying me. Mm -hmm. You know. If something's free, you, you aren't going to negotiate with that, right? Um, right. Do they have to say the
0: listing agent is paying me out of the sales proceeds? Or do they just have to say the listing agent is pay- paying me?
1: The rule says something like they can advertise their services as free as long as they disclose how they're getting paid. Uh huh. Um, so it, it doesn't like specifically say you have to say this. Um, okay. But – it's interesting because buyer's agent is being paid by the listing agent. The listing agent's commission comes from how much the seller agrees to pay them. Mm-hmm. And how much is getting paid to the seller comes from the buyer. Right. So it's all sort of intertwined in a way that's very difficult to understand. Or it's it's
0: maybe easy to understand, but it's just not explained. That's true. It's just that's not. That's true,
1: yeah. It, it feels like maybe— someone
0: might be holding back, perhaps. Yeah, and I think
1: that's one of the feelings that comes—that's this lawsuit sort of stems from is this Mm -hmm. feeling of, like, this is so hard to understand. I'm feeling frustrated. Mm -hmm. People are feeling like they're paying more fees than they want to. So in order to sort of deal with that frustration, Northwest MLS has started saying, this is how much this listing is paying this buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that transparency, you know, can start a conversation, you know. You know, and it also sort of, like, alleviates this fear of what's called steering, this fear that um, that agents are discriminating against listings with a lower commission to the buyer. Like, oh, I'm only going to show them the 3% houses. Right. Or the houses that will pay me 3%, right. not the ones that will pay me 1%, you know. There's that fear, and maybe if you're more open about that, um, you can discuss it. And then also, like, you know, if you bring your client to some a house that's not going to pay you, You can Mm -hmm. say, well, do you see, like, all these houses will pay me this much. That's how much, like, all these services I'm giving you actually cost. So if we go to this house, you know, that's not going to pay me, you know. We need to negotiate something. Right. So I can pay. So it could also be sort of, like, in the agent's interest, too. Yeah. Possibly.
0: Well, so one thing that the lawyer said that I thought was interesting, and a lot of stories have included this, it has to do with, this European model, I guess, for buying and selling houses. And Mm -hmm. in the UK, for example, there are no buyer's agents or there there are very few buyer's agents compared to the United States. And the lawyer was saying that that's not a great system because if you're buying a house overseas, you have to go to – the brokerage, and you have to see what they have to offer. And there's just not this, you know, clearinghouse of listings. And so he was saying it's terribly inefficient, and customer satisfaction is so much higher here.
1: So I think there's two different questions. One is, like, is it terribly more inefficient? I think the inefficiency of shopping in Europe has probably diminished over time. It's probably more efficient now than it was before. And the reason why is because before the internet in England, you'd have to go um, shop by shop. You know, there'd be all the real estate agencies on Main Street. Mm -hmm. Each one would specialize in a different segment in the market, and they would have those listings. They would all have their own little bucket of listings. And you'd have to go into one house, look at the listings, and be like, okay— and then you go into the next real estate shop and look at the listings and say, okay. And that's what you had to do instead of going to one association that had all of mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. But now since so many listings are on these sort of like aggregator sites, yeah. I know that might be an inac- technically inaccurate way to call them, but like things like Zillow. Right. You know, when I talked to an expert, a company that sort of tracks real estate agent fees in the UK, he said people, you know, the process typically now is you fire up Zillow and you just surf from your couch, which doesn't seem that inefficient. Yeah. Certainly not compared to way, the way things were there before. Right. So I think that's one question. The other question about customer satisfaction, I should hope people are more satisfied here because they're paying more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I have not bought a house in the UK, but um definitely having someone sort of like guide you through the process should be a better experience than doing it yourself. Right. I think – you know, hopefully we have a better product here. When when people say that buyers should negotiate with their agents uh, and pay the fee themselves like more directly, the idea is that that would create more variety of service options to choose from. And I think the reason why that's sort of gaining urgency now is because how much you pay a buyer's agent is pegged to home values, Mm -hmm. say 3%. And home values have outgrown wages by so much in recent years. That I think some people are like, well, I would like, you know, it's sort of like redoing your kitchen. You know, it'd be so much nicer to get someone to do it for you. But if you're sort of tight on cash, you're like, well, I'm going to take this much worse experience, you know, putting in the backsplash myself, you know, like, and I think some people are like, well, I'd be willing to do some of the work in order to pay less. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to have like a worse experience Mm -hmm. that's much more time intensive for me in order to pay less. What I hear from real estate agents is people think they can do it themselves, but they really can't, you know. It's a sort of like protectionist idea of, you know, there are some people who really could do it themselves, but a lot of people are just full of it and they're going to be taken advantage of and they're going to lose money.
0: Right.
1: And it's the idea of should people have the freedom... To maybe screw themselves over or maybe save a buck, you know. <laughs> However I don't it know. works out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because I'm sure some people could handle it themselves and, and then some people would know, end would up be lost.
1: paying more than they right. they would have otherwise. Right, yeah. right. Hmm. So
0: interesting. So how do you think this could play out? How do you think these lawsuits could be resolved? Could you give me like a couple of scenarios that you've thought about?
1: Yeah. So um – um the NAR counsel said they're preparing a motion to dismiss. One one possibility is that the case is dismissed. And I'm not a lawyer, but Rescofano, who is, says antitrust suits are very difficult to dismiss. So that's one path that, you know, at least one expert is saying is unlikely. Mm-hmm. The second path would be settling. And settling could look all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. The NAR says they are not going to settle. But, of course, you can't go into a negotiation saying that you're going to, you know, you have to go in from a strong position. So... I think it's possible that they will settle. You know, looking at past cases from some of the plaintiffs' lawyers, like they seem to they seem to be angling for settlement. And a settlement. Now, settlement could look all sorts of ways. It could be sort of the extreme scenario of, you know, saying buyers have to pay their agents themselves, sort of like decoupling the listing commission and the buyer's commission, where the home seller negotiates their own commission with their agent. Mm-hmm. And the home buyer negotiates their own commission with their agent. Right. That would have a lot of ramifications. And I think during this panel, we had sort of a taste of one of the things that is on the NAR's mind, one of their like potential arguments, which is right now when the buyer pays these commissions, it's out of their mortgage, right? They're lent the money. Mm-hmm. Some of these costs are taken out of that mortgage, right? Right, in most cases. Yes. So... One of the things that the NAR's counsel brought up was if the buyer had to pay this out-of-pocket instead of from their mortgage, that would be a financial hardship. You know, that's sort of like a logistics question to me. Um, But, you know, if it is decoupled, there is this question of, well, will the buyer be able to finance that commission? Mm -hmm. Um, Will they have to pay it out-of-pocket? Will buyers still opt for an agent? You know, while well, the prices go way down, there's there's all sorts of possibilities when, within that. But that's one possibility. And then there's all these sort of in-between possibilities, I think, such as changing the rules so you can't say that buyer's agents are free. That would be changing the rules of ethics. Maybe changing the rules to require that MLSs disclose how much buyer's agents are being offered. You know, mm-hmm. that would just be a move towards transparency mm-hmm. that could maybe promote conversation. Or that would still allow you to, like, say how much you would pay the buyer's agent, but make it easier to negotiate because you already can negotiate, but you're almost never going to negotiate down. And, um, you know, like if you made it possible to be like, if the buyer's agent is willing to take less of a cut, you know, the overall price could come down. Or I don't know, things that would just make the conversation a little bit more fluid um, mm-hmm. or it would facilitate that conversation more, that could be an outcome. Yeah. Um, and then I guess a third possibilities it goes to court and they're in front of a jury and and all this evidence is brought up and that just seems like a lot of dirty laundry. Um I don't know if you are familiar with how cases usually oh I am I know you are familiar. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners are familiar but like you know everyone has to bring their evidence for their case and they begin subpoenaing each other for like mm-hmm. their internal information and a lot of information comes out. So if that's the route it goes it will be A very long journey, and we will learn quite a bit about people's practices. You Um, hope it
0: goes to trial, don't you?
1: uh, We would all learn a lot. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I really (laughs) don't care. Well, it's not. I don't care how it goes. uh, I know. I'm not a licensed realtor. Right.
0: (laughs) You don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have a
1: dog in the fight. Except for, I mean,
0: you're a consumer.
1: I'm a consumer. Uh, Real estate is a huge industry driving our economy. Mm -hmm. So. uh, if somehow the rules are changed in a way that, in a way that sort of like stalls the real estate economy, it will impact us all. Um, yeah, there is an argument that actually came out, up at this conference that if um, that if you make it easier to sell homes, in part by like perhaps making it the cost of selling a home less, people will sell more homes. So I forget who said this, but someone was talking about like his prediction was that. It will become so much easier to sell a home both in terms of the cost and the time and the logistics. Because right now it's like a conversation that takes forever, right? Like you look for the home. You put in your – offer, it just takes like months, right? And right. there's all this uncertainty around it and you pay all these fees. And he's like if all those fr- all that friction was removed, mm-hmm. then he thinks the volume of home sales will go way up because you might just be like – oh, you know, I just saw this home open up that's, like, a little bit nicer than mine. I'm just going to hop over there instead of being like, well, it's definitely not worth all this hassle of, uh, like, all the money I'm going to lose at closing, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. his analogy was, like, it'll be um, the difference between a real estate agent pocketing $10 at closing Mm -hmm. or having two $5 bills from, like, Mm -hmm. two smaller transactions Um, was his analogy. So
0: we'll all be impacted. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting to think about what that could be like, though.
1: If it was easy to move. If it was I?
0: easy to move.
1: Just trade in your home for something slightly better. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Or or maybe you you would just – you would put in a bunch of bids for a bunch of different houses and then, you know, not, oh, not, yeah. not pick one or pick one and then cancel the next day or the next week mm-hmm. or if you found something better.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, that could be chaotic. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Well – Anyway, thank you for sharing all of this. You are truly becoming an expert on this topic, and thank you for representing the Houston Chronicle on Oprah's couch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did my best. Hopefully I actually came across in an easy-to-understand yeah, and fair way. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. It did not look like a, an easy job. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here. Of course. And listeners, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you are already a subscriber, thank you for your support. And if you would, please rate us on your podcast app and write a review. And always, if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out. I am on Facebook and Twitter. and I am at N Sarnoff. Have a great day and see you next time.